Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LBJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning once again, everybody, and thank you for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, uh, each and every week is none other than legendary, a Legends Tour player and LPJ professional, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning. How are you? Cold. It's cold in Florida, Cindy. It's not supposed to be oh, cold in Florida. stop whining. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> it was... Yesterday morning I got up, it was 66 degrees, and I thought, no, this isn't Florida. Oh, I don't you believe poor it. baby. It's 46 <laughs> here. As you know, those of you tuning in, you know that Cindy lives up in Buffalo. So, yes, I have nothing to complain about. I'm happy. 66 is, is a lovely, uh, beautiful morning here in Florida. All right. Um, we got a great show for you this morning. We're going to be joined here in just a moment by uh, a very special guest uh, from the Smetra Tour, uh, Anna Redding. She's going to be joining us here. And a little bit later on, C and I are going to enter once again into the no BS zone. And... Um, Happy October, everybody. We're, uh, gosh, it's, I don't know where this year is going, but it's stormed by fast. All right, just to remind everybody that um, Women of Golf is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, iGolf Sports is a, le- a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top PJ and LPJ teach professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So subscribe today. Go to golftipsmag.com. All right, as I mentioned, uh, Cindy, our special guest joining us this morning is Anna Redding. Uh, she was born in 1997 and is a native of Concord, North Carolina. Uh, she finished uh, tied for 26 at the inaugural Augusta National Women's Amateur. Uh, so we're going to talk to her about that and more. And she finished 80th in the 2019 LPGA Q Series to first earn her Symmetra Tour membership as a 2020 rookie. So uh, this is her first year on the Symmetra Tour. Uh, and she also, uh, something notable, is uh, she raised over 20000 for the, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this, 10 uh Mission Hospital in Kenya uh, through her Birdies for Babies project as a high school senior in 2014. So... Uh, always uh, already looking to give back um, to those in need. So, uh, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest, Anna Redding. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you all so much for having me. We are thrilled you We're... are here. This is awesome. I've yes, thank... only done one other, one other radio show, so I'm very excited. Well, we're we're glad to uh, to have you. Was that was that pronounced correctly? Let me just uh, before we continue. Uh, is it Tenwick? Yes. Yep, in Bowman, okay. Kenya. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very cool. We'll talk to you about that as well. Um, Cindy, you want me to start, or you want to start? I want to start. 
So how did you raise? <laughs> I'm a little bit of a brat, Anna. Can you tell? <laughs> um, how did you raise $20,000? Did you make that many birdies? I did. Well, not 20,000 birdies, good gracious. Um, so in my senior year of high school, um, for my three-month high school season that fall, um, I got um, a bunch of donors um, who would sponsor me per birdie for just those high school matches. Um, so people could either donate per birdie. It was like $1, $5, $10 per birdie, or they could just make a one-time donation. Um, and the goal um, was to buy a neonatal incubator um, for the, for the pre- babies born prematurely. And so the goal was hopefully up there into the 20,000s. Um, and so I made like, 60 birdies, and then, like, three eagles. Wow. And I was very motivated. (laughs) It was a lot. (laughs) And so I actually, I kind of went back, and I I wasn't expecting to make that many. So I, I, you know, went back to the people, and I was like, this is more than I thought. Please just, you know, donate how much you would like to. Um, And a lot of people still donated what their original original little um, sponsor was. Um, so it was it was phenomenal. Um, and then my first wow. year of college, over my winter break, my dad and I he'd been down there a few other times on mission trips, and so we went down my winter my senior of my first year of college to visit and to see the neonatal incubator um, at work, and it had a it had a premature baby in it, and it was very emotional. Oh, God impact. bless oh, you! Wonderful. Wow, mm-hmm. wow that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's more important than playing, but that's okay. Ted, go ahead. Good girl. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, think we, you know, a, I, I, don't know, I don't know how you follow that, Cindy. I mean, that's, uh, who cares about golf at this point? I mean, that's incredible. Right? Um, congratulations, Anna. Yeah, I mean, that is just fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, you know, very quickly before Anna, I ask you anything, Cindy, I just want to say, you know, it just goes to show, we've said this many times before, just how wonderful people in this industry are in the golf business they give back so much and do so many things for such worthy causes and it just makes me uh, as i'm sure it does you uh, very proud to be part of uh, such a wonderful industry that uh, not only um you know has an interesting game attached to it but um just has so many wonderful people involved all right uh and off air we we also discovered that um that you uh, were in the inaugural Augusta National Women's Amateur, uh, which was very, very exciting. So let me ask you, um, first and foremost, tell us a little bit about your experience at Augusta National. Had you ever been there before, whether just watching a tournament or what have you? Um, And if not, what was your experience when you first walked uh, out uh, on the first tee at Augusta National? How did it feel? So I was lucky enough to play it once in high school. Um, it was my senior year of high school um, in November. So it was still in wonderful condition and spectacular and just walking around the grounds. It takes you someplace else. It's it's just amazing. Um, but then coming and getting an invite to actually compete at Augusta and playing it in April before the Masters. I mean, just all the azaleas were blooming and everything was just in literal perfect shape. I mean, there was probably not a piece of grass out of place. Um, and it was it was amazing. I felt very lucky to be there. Um, and then to be the very first woman to tee off on Saturday after making the cut 
was probably the most nervous and excited I've ever been on the golf course. Um, I mean, to the four legends, they did honorary tee shots. And then literally right after they hit, they're like, okay, next on the tee, Anna Redding. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm supposed to follow that. Aye, aye, aye. There's like 3,000 people <laughs> on the tee, and that's as many people have ever seen me hit a golf shot. And it was it was wonderful. I just wanted to get it get it in the air, and I did, and I just I couldn't stop smiling that entire day. Well, Anna, let me let me just say if you keep if you keep racking up birdies like you did for the um, uh, for the Mission Hospital, uh, you might be you might be one of those legends one day uh, doing that very same thing. So uh, you got to keep it going. So um, I, I want to ask you this question because actually this is perfect timing because in about a month's time we're going to be actually because of COVID this year the Masters is not going to be played until November um, for the very first time uh, in, in its history. So. Being that you have played in November, tell us what the course was like. Obviously, you've seen what it looks like in April uh, when everything's in bloom. What's it going to be like, mm-hmm. do you think, for the players playing in this year's Master? What, what can they expect? I mean, it's still going to be so tough. <laughs> the greens were still really fast. We had, you know, course caddies helping us out. And you just – those greens are – they're just mind-blowing. I mean, I was really having to trust my caddy in, in April and when I had played it in high school with where, you know, those greens were going to break. Um, and so, I mean, it's going to be beautiful. I don't know. I mean, you know, the azaleas won't be blooming in November, but everything else is still just going to be perfect in the condition. I mean, they do such a wonderful job, and they, they really live up to the hype. So I, I will be amazing, I'm sure. Well, and I think also, too, people don't realize this, and I was talking uh, last week with my friend, and one of the things that he, he mentioned, and I never really thought about this, but more than likely, the wind is going to be blowing out of the north. Um, so that's going to change a lot of holes at Augusta National and how they play, because typically they might be downwind. Now they're going to be playing into the wind or possibly crosswind. Uh, from a different angle than what they would normally be used to, if you know, if, if the uh, uh, prevailing winds stay as they uh, do in, in winter months, so it's going to be interesting to see how it affects the course from that standpoint as well. So, just wanted to make that I thought an interesting note. So, this past weekend, yeah. um, Anna was the Symmetra uh, Classic, and uh, you finished uh, third in the tournament. How would you rate your your play overall? How did you feel you played in this last weekend's tournament? Obviously, I know you didn't win, but um, you obviously played well to get into the to the top uh, top three. So, what what do you mm-hmm. feel was uh, was your overall game? Um, so it's funny because my dad had actually asked me that exact same question. He's like, "How would you rate your play this week out of ten? And um, physically, in like my game, I ranked that like an eight and a half. And then he's like, "Okay, well, what about the mental side?" And I'm like, "You know what? That was probably like an eight and a half too." Because um, I had two really strong rounds to start. I shot five under in the first round and the second round. And that third day, um, we just had a lot of wind and some rain. And so I shot even, which I was really proud of, but kind of struggled a little bit mid-round. Um, but it was really consistent. And to have just some, just see some great consistency, and that was my second top three this season so far. Um, so I, I felt really strong after my performance. What do you think, was there a part of your game this past weekend, particularly that you think held you back from 
um, from finishing um, number one. What was part of the game, do you think? You mentioned a couple things, but was there an area of your game that you feel in your own mind that, that I don't want to say let you down, but just wasn't as solid as you would have liked it to have been? Yeah, with the um, it was really just the third round um, with our fourth round being canceled because of all the rain that, that Florida was having. Um, it was really right. windy, and I just wasn't quite trusting my iron shots with that wind. So that's kind of what didn't quite propel me under par that, that third round. Um, but other than that, it was, it was really consistent. Um, but there's this, this iron, that third round was, was a little, little shaky. Yeah. Wind can, uh, wind can play some havoc on you if you're not expecting it, especially, if, you know, I think if you're playing, you know, the first, as you said, the first two rounds were somewhat normal and then suddenly you've got a, a windy day and you're not really, uh, prepared for it as much as you think, and uh, suddenly the ball starts doing some things you weren't expecting. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm going to change the subject. What was your major in college? <laughs> um, I was a sociology major. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> and why did you major in that? <laughs> Um, it was the thing I most enjoyed when I was taking my general classes that first year, um, and I, I kind of like to read and to write over my math, <laughs> and so that was that was the major for me, um, and I really enjoyed it. Huh. What do you like to write? Well, I don't write much anymore, um, but just kind of writing about the articles that we had to read and just kind of analyzing kind of just how people interact. I just, I enjoyed that over, you know, <laughs> equations and such. I like to just, just kind of read and, and let my imagination run wild a little bit. Well, that's kind of cool. What do you do for fun on the tour? Well, I read a lot. <laughs> um, if you couldn't have guessed. Um, so I'm in the middle of a, of a very neat book right now called The Starless Sea. Um, and then over quarantine, I learned to knit. Um, one of my best friends was like, we're going to learn how to knit. And so she taught me. So I've, <laughs> I've been doing some scarf making while on tour a little bit since we really oh, can't that's awesome. What have you found time? the most difficult part of being a rookie on tour? Especially with this year kind of being the year that it is, um, it's pretty the travel um, and kind of kind of trying to find find my group of friends um, has been a little bit harder this year because um, we really aren't allowed to go out to eat um, or really you know socialize too much. Um, so it's a lot of takeout, bring it back to the hotel, and just you know read or knit. Um, so that kind of has been the hardest thing so far. Um, but I do have a few good friends that I knew from college that are on tour and a few people from my area that are great when I have a lot of questions to ask about what's going on. Um, so I'm excited for next year when we've got a full season. I can really kind of work on traveling and meeting some more friends and that kind of thing. Awesome. Awesome. Ted? So, Anna, let me ask you. I want to go back uh just a little bit you you mentioned about your father um asking how you played over well was he the one that that essentially introduced you to golf or how did you uh begin your journey down the the golf road so when i was really young um i think my dad took me to the course a few times um but i played a lot of sports growing up 
and my grandparents put me in a golf camp when I was 10. And so that's really what kind of jump-started my love for the game and wanting to to play it in high school and really in college and then beyond. Um, Yeah. What was it about golf that you liked? Um, You know, for those that have never played before or don't really understand the game, kind of look and scratch their head and say, I don't get it. You're chasing a little white ball around the golf course. (laughs) How fun can that be? There's no challenge. You know, it's, it's hard, yes, but it's, you know, they just don't get it. Explain for those listening that maybe have never played before but obviously have a curiosity because they wouldn't be listening to the program, um, what would you say to them if you were trying to introduce somebody for the first time to the game? For me, I mean, I think golf is extremely peaceful um, because we get to play it outside, and that is a wonderful place to spend time and especially for me with it being my office I'm like I'm very lucky to have that Um, but I I love being outdoors and I think that's a great thing that comes with golf and it's also a sport that there's so much camaraderie with um, and you can meet so many different people Um, I mean one of my best friends is Italian and I met her through golf and we never would Mm -hmm. have created this friendship without it Um, and it's it's a sport you can carry for the rest of your life um, and just travel the world with golf and I think it's just it's a wonderful sport and it really kind of just brings out the best in people too yeah I I agree I think it's uh it's a game that obviously one has to have integrity um and you you have to you're challenging yourself I think that's what most people would say is they they love about golf is because it is an individual sport you know you're constantly challenging pushing yourself to be better um, you're not relying, you know, obviously with a few exceptions on teammates. Um, so it, it's really all up to you and the elements out there. So it, it can uh, it can be a good day or it can be a bad day, depending on uh, what you're faced with. Um, if you were going to give a, because uh, I'm sure you've played with many amateurs over over uh, even your, your career so far, um, what would be a tip that you would give amateurs as far as helping them to play a little bit better? What do you see mo- most often with amateur players, what's some of the biggest problems that you see that they struggle with and what would you advise them to do to make it a little bit easier on them? That is a tough question right there because I am still trying to figure out my golf game too. (laughs) Um, I think, I mean, short game is always something that everyone talks about. You know, I got tired of hearing it when I was younger. Everyone's like short game. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, but I think really with putting, I think speed control can be just mm-hmm. really important with amateurs, especially when you're just starting playing. Because there's, you know, at least half your shots are pretty much going to be on the putting surface. And so if you can get just a mm-hmm. nice tempo with the putting stroke and just kind of find find a good rhythm for for some speed control with those long putts, that that will, I think that will really help help get you started. I couldn't agree more. Now. I just have one more question I'm going to ask you, and then I'm going to throw it back to Cindy here. Um, we all know that sometimes, especially in your case, because you're, you're playing at a higher level than most of our listeners are playing, um, and there are going to be some stressful situations out there. Maybe you've hit some bad shots. Maybe you're playing a hole that doesn't really fit your eye. How do you handle stress when you're on the golf course? What do you say when you get in a stressful moment? Do you say something to yourself mentally, or do you do something to, to try and, um, you know, stave off, uh, you know, that anxiety? What do you do? 
Yeah, so I started working with um, a sports psychologist named Brett McCabe um, my last year and a half of college, and so I still work with him now. And um, one of the really big things that he's helped me with um, is in those situations where, you know, I hit a poor shot and now I'm kind of in a sticky up and down or just a shot I'm not super comfortable with, um, is that each shot, um, is a challenge, and you're just going to work on overcoming that challenge right in front of you right then. Um, and then whatever it is, just fully commit to it and do it. So whether it's, you know, technically the right shot or the right club or whatever that maybe someone else would use, um, whatever you choose, you know, be fully confident in it and committed and then just try and overcome that little challenge that's in front of you. And that has really helped me tremendously. Um, just kind of thinking about certain golf shots that way and just kind of keeps me really focused when I'm maybe not loving a particular shot. <laughs> That's some great advice. That's uh, very well said. Um, Cindy, go ahead. How many events did you play in your last year of amateur golf, not including college events? Oh, my goodness. Um not in, well, so I um, I actually turned professional before Q School of 2019. So I got a sponsor invite into the marathon class, the LPGA Marathon Classic in Toledo. Um, so I had turned professional in July um, before Q School. So I probably only I think I only played three amateur events in 2019 in the first half of 2019 um, before okay. turning pro. Yeah, because I played the the Augusta event during my during while I was in college, and then I played the Porter Cup in Buffalo, um, one of my oh. favorite events. Yes, I love that event. And then I played the British Amateur, um, and then I turned pro when I got back. So I didn't play too much outside of my college events. And why did you like the Porter Cup? Well, the first year that I went to the Porter Cup. Um, was right after playing the British Amateur. I was coming back from overseas, and my clubs got lost. So I went up to that event um, without any golf clubs, and the tournament director, Brian Oakley, and just the staff up there <laughs> helped me get a bag, get a golf club, golf set together. Um, they had probably let me use his putter and his wedges, and just the staff and just everyone around it was so fun, and they really made the event really enjoyable for me. I mean, can you imagine going to a golf tournament knowing you don't have your own golf club? <laughs> it yeah. was just crazy. Holy cow. And I was also with a host family um, who I'm still in touch with now. And they're just wonderful, and they hosted me every year I came back. Um, and it's just a great – I just built such a great relationship with with the people at that event that I made, I made sure I wanted to play it one more time before I turned professional. And um, it's Oh, special, that's awesome. Special. Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. people from Buffalo are nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um uh, Cindy, I, I don't hold anything against uh people from Buffalo. Uh you're you're All a great right, uh, inspiration boy. yourself. <laughs> um <laughs> let me ask you uh let me ask you uh, uh another question. I want to go back to uh your your the Mission Hospital as an example here. Um uh-huh. Have you got any future plans or anything that you're currently working on, something similar where you want to uh, do some sort of a charitable 
uh, event or something to to raise uh, money, whether it be for uh, the Tenwick Mission Hospital in Kenya or some other project maybe in that area or another area? Is there anything you're working on right now? There is nothing currently that I'm working on. Um, I definitely am going to do something again in the future um, with kind of going through college and not really, you know, there's so many NCAA rules, but kind of really couldn't do anything in college. Um, and then I'm just still kind of trying to get my footing out here on this Metro tour. Um, but I will definitely be doing something again in the future. That is very close to my heart. Yeah, I think that's Can I great. Ask a- yep, go ahead. What would you tell – when did you know you wanted to play professional golf? How old were you? Um, I'm really not sure. Um, kind of when I started, um, honestly, I had, a, I had a little bit of talent right when I started. Um, so that really kind of helped me jumpstart my career. Um, and I think it was probably in high school, um, probably, I don't know, maybe freshman, freshman year of high school. Um, I just I loved the game and and I just I knew that it was kind of where I was supposed to be um, and I just I loved it and I, that's what I wanted to do and there was um, quite a few golfers at my high school actually we had six golfers go to go to college men and women um, my year so there was a lot of competition and um, it just got us all fired up so I just I loved it and I just wanted to keep going forever. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. How often did you practice when you were younger? I, I know you're, it's your life now, but. Yeah. Um, I, so for a while, um, I was struggling to get to the golf course. And so um, I've got a younger sister, and we both wanted to get our ears pierced. So we made a bet with my parents that I had to practice golf for 30 days in a row for us to get our ears pierced. Um, I think that might have been eighth grade. And so that's kind of what got me really started in kind of the hard work and kind of what it, what I needed to be doing. Um, and so I had to go to the golf course for 30 days in a row. And then after that, I was like, okay, I, this is what I want to be doing. And um, that really kind of got me started. Um, but now um, I probably practice six days a week. Um, I make sure to take an off day just for my body um, and just, you know, for the mind. So I definitely, I definitely take a day off and think that's extremely important. Awesome. Ted? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So what's uh, what's coming up for you right now? I think uh, I think the Symmetra's off this week. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we um, go... Could, um, I, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah, so our next event um, is down uh, near Orlando, Florida next week. And then we've got a week off, and then our final two events are in North Carolina. It's in Pinehurst and then Davidson. Very good. Um, so what are you going to do between now and the next tournament? Um, obviously, you're going to practice a little bit, but are you just going to kind of take it easy? Uh, or what are you going to do between now and the next event? Yeah, um, I'll just get in some solid practice. Um, I work out with a trainer, so I'll go see her this week. Um, and then I'm actually playing um, with Laura Wern, who y'all had on last week. Um, she's in this area, mm-hmm. and so we've got a we've got a tough day at our club on Friday. So we're gonna we're gonna play in that. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, well, listen, I think you know. Unfortunately, it's um, 
you know, 2020 has not been a uh, a great year for your rookie year uh, with with everything going on. Obviously, many of the events uh, were either pushed off or canceled um, as a result. But um, I think you've, uh, from what I've seen, um, what you've been doing so far, I think you've got a good. Uh, you're going to finish strong, I believe. I, I believe that sincerely, and I think you're going to come out swinging no pun intended, uh, for 2021. So <laughs> as you look towards next season, um, are you going to do anything different? Have you got, what's your game plan? I guess that's what I'm looking for is what's your game plan? What do you think about when you come out to each of the events? What's your strategy? Um, for this season, um, it was really, with it being my rookie year, it was really just to, to learn all I can kind of get used to the travel kind of figure out how the tour works. Um, I've asked Laura many questions. <laughs> um, and so this year has been great for me learning all of that. So with next year, um, I'll kind of, I feel like I'll be able to kind of take it a little bit more by charge, like starting at that first event. Um, I'll just kind of know a little bit more how it works and definitely gaining some confidence after this season. So next season, you know, with it being a little bit more normal and that top 10 will move on. Um, I think I'll just, Start strong and and see where see what happens. One final question, and then we'll we'll let you uh, retire and and do what you want to do for the rest of your day. Um, for any young girl that's listening right now, um, that maybe is kind of sitting on the fence, has an interest in golf, but maybe um, is a little bit uh, shy about um, you know getting out there and playing. What words of inspiration would you offer her? I would say to anyone who, you know, might want to dabble in golf or maybe just kind of explore anything new, um, go for it. You know, it's it's an incredible game. It's pretty fun. Um, but make sure that whatever you want to do or want to try, um, that you enjoy it. I think being happy and doing something that you love to do really makes a massive difference. Um, so whether, you know, your friends or your parents want you to try it, try it once, go out there and see what happens. And then if you don't like it, that's okay. Go find something that you love and that you enjoy doing and just kind of be happy. Well said. That's and I think it's, that's great advice. advice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great advice because I, you know, I not everybody's going to get to the question. Le- yeah. Go ahead, Cindy. May I interrupt? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Let me – so I teach an awful lot of juniors, and I have issues with parents. I believe that a lot of times it's the parent's dream and it's not the child's dream. And you didn't have to tell me to go practice because I wanted to do this. And I believe that, you know, we had a dad, you know, my son played terrible the other day. I don't think he really cares. He was better when he was a a freshman and now he's a junior. And and I said, well, he's taken enough lessons to know what he does when he messes up and how to fix it. And it's such a, a personal game, if you will, that it's you, the club, the ball, and the course. And it's so internal that you have to want to get better. And I understand being upset and mad at yourself. What would you say to a family where that might be the case and the kid is just burnt out? 
those are really the tough conversations and just the tough situations that the parents and the kids really need to be open with each other. Um, I, back in, right before I started high school, um, I thought I was burned out and my parents let me stop for, for a little while. And then when golf season came back around, I was like, oh my goodness, I need to be playing. You know what? I can't believe I stopped. Um, and it's an incredibly difficult conversation to have, um, especially when you said, you know, the parents probably really want, you know, what's best for their kid and they really want them to do well. But sometimes the kid just wants to be doing something else in their heart. And so, I mean, it's tough for, for kids to tell their parents, you know, hey, I know you love this, but I don't. Um, and it's even tougher for the parents to listen to that and to really hear what their kid is saying. Um, so it's, it's tough. I mean, I always say you can, listening is, is an incredible skill to have. Um, and so just to make sure you listen and you don't always need to talk um, to hear what's happening around you. Um, so I'd say that's about all I can say about that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think what a lot of it is, um, you know, for the parents is they look at it, you know, all the time that's been invested, the money that's been invested to help their their child get out there and, and play, you know, competitive golf. And then all of a sudden the child says, no, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this or whatever. They don't get it. They, they look at it from um, that perspective and not from how the child may be feeling. And you're exactly right in your analogy. And I think that, you know, you, you have to have open lines of communication and it's difficult. It's, I think it's more difficult for the child than it is for the parent because they don't want to feel like they're letting their parents down. And, uh, you know, they understand the commitments that the parents have made thus far. And uh, so a lot of times they just sort of knuckle down and say, well, I'm just going to do it for my parents, but they're not really having fun and they're not really enjoying it. And I'm a firm believer that if you're not enjoying what you're doing, um, you need to stop and um, because it's, it's just going to make you miserable as time passes on. But on that note, we're going to finish in a high note and wishing you all the best for the rest of this season. Uh, we hope you'll come back. So get out there and win. So you can come back on the show as uh, with your with your first win. We want you to share it with us, the very first win that you get. And uh, we're going to be rooting for you. So, Anna, thank you very much for joining Cindy and I this morning uh, on the Women of Golf. We really appreciate you stepping up and, and spending some time with us. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you. All right. Good luck, Have a great Katie. day. Thank you. All right. What a great young lady. You know, just um, – yeah. You know, it's uh, it, it's refreshing. You know, I, I got to be honest. You know, when you look at and, and you know, I don't want to get off on a diatribe of conversation here, but you know, when you look at the youth today, um, that's one thing I've got to say about um, many of the go- young golf professionals that we see on on men and women's side, but particularly the young women. They're just so really in tune with with what they want. They've really just got a, a great focus, and they just they're committed, and they just decide. And you know, there's so many other areas in our society today where you know kids just are floundering and don't know what they want to do, and this that. And these young ladies just step up and they say, you know what, I love golf. I'm going to get out there, and you know, come hell or high water, I'm going to win. And if I don't win, that's okay too. I'm just going to try a little bit harder the next time. And uh, just very inspirational to hear some of these. Uh, uh, stories from some of these young ladies and, and just, you know, kind of hear a, a little bit about how they feel as opposed to just about their golf game. So very interesting uh, discussion. 
All right, we're going to zip into the no uh, BS zone. And uh, I originally had some other questions lined up, but I'm going to go to this one here because I think that, uh, and we'll get through as many because I know we're running past a little bit of our, our uh, time here. But um, these are, are 10 bad golf swing mistakes that many of our high handicappers make. And the first one, I think, Cindy, is a, a weak grip. Um, the grip is so important. Um, you know, we see sometimes folks might even have an overly strong grip, but weak grip tends to be the more common, uh, which ultimately, if their gri- uh, grip is really, really weak, um, tends to open up the club face at impact, causing a big old slice or the big old banana ball as we hear it. Um, what do you do, Cindy, with, with the students that are having that problem? Obviously, you're, you're showing them the proper grip, but um, do you strengthen a little bit more to start them off with and then dial it back, or what, do you, what have you found to be successful? I give uh, my students a setup routine that allows them to grip it naturally the way their arms hang from their shoulders. So I yep. let's pretend you're right-handed. And I say, just stand up straight and hang your arms. And when you hang your arms, your your hand either hangs in or under. So, you know, your thumb points in towards your legs typically. And then I ask right. them to put a club right by their left hip if they're right-handed and just grab the club. So they're going to grab the club with their left hand uh, and then bow over and bring the club in front of them. And typically then their left thumb would be pointing at one o'clock if the front of the club was midnight. So it's a little bit of a stronger grip, but it's more of a natural grip, if you will. Right. And then I ask them to put their back hand, which would be their right hand in this situation, uh, on the club as if they're tossing the ball underhanded. So, yeah, it's a little more of a, a strong grip, but I believe it's more of a natural grip. And I want their fingers mm-hmm. to pinch and their thumbs to be dead. Their left thumb is going to sit under the right thumb, and their right thumb is going to be over at 11 o'clock. So thumbs are 1 at 11. Yep, I think that's great. And it's very interesting, that, that particular uh, way of, of addressing it, because that's exactly what Jack Nicholas, one of the best players that ever played the game, uh, that's exactly what he did. He used to put his hands down along his side, and uh, he would grip the club with his left hand because he was a right-handed golfer, and he did that exact very same thing that you just described. So uh, you're taking uh, some tips from one of the best golfers uh, in, in, the, uh, in the game. Uh, another area, Cindy, of course, is... Or maybe he took is, a tip from me. <laughs> yeah, listen, that's right. We may, we, may have to, we may have to reach out and get him on the show and, and find out exactly, uh, was that of his own accord, or did he steal that from the ever-popular Cindy Miller? All right, so... Bad posture, number, yeah, number two, uh, being in balance at a dress throughout your, your golf swing uh, certainly has a lot to do, and it begins with good posture. Um, you know, when you're dressing the ball, uh, we've seen this, Cindy's out in the range, and, and i got to admit, men, I think, tend to be worse. Uh, sometimes our posture is not always the best, and you'll see somebody kind of slumped over, their shoulders are rounded over and uh, pointing down, and they just – all kinds of things can happen when you don't have the right right posture. And again, walk us through a little bit of when you see a, a new student for the first time and their posture isn't too good. What are some things that you talk to them about to uh, to help get that in a better uh, better place? Well, uh, a lot of people are told <laughs> to sit and pretend they're sitting on a bar yep. stool, 
And I tell yep. them, pretend they've already been on the bar stool and they're now hanging over throwing up. So I, I call it partial. <laughs> I call it partial I puke. Love that. <laughs> uh, partial puke. So they're, they're bending from the waist, bending over from the waist so that their arms can hang freely so they can swing. And then their knees are only cracked and the weight's on the balls of their feet. So, I, yes, posture's a huge big deal. If you're sitting, you can't swing. You're going to sway and then you're going to hit it all over the place. So you, you, the grip and the posture have to be good or you can't yeah. hit the shot. You know, yeah, it, I, I think most golf instructors or coaches would agree with this. I think when you, when you talk about the fundamentals of the game, um, everything from grip and posture, and as we've mentioned so far, if there's a problem in, in those areas and some of the others we'll mention here in a minute, um, you can pretty much isolate why they're not hitting the ball very well. Um, posture can, can create, again, I remember growing up, you know, imagine you're sitting on that bar stool. Um, I haven't heard yours. I'm going to have to start using that because some of my corporate uh, clients would probably love that one. But And I'm sure some have been in that position. But um, but you're exactly right. You, you cannot swing the club properly if you haven't uh, uh, set up in a good posture. So that's extremely important. Um, the other thing, too, that I think a lot of amateurs do is they don't, um, they don't utilize the equipment properly. And what I mean by this, particularly with their irons, is they try to lift or sometimes refer to it as scoop the ball. Um, you know, when you're using your irons, you're trying to – um, actually you're hitting down on the ball and it's the club face itself that will actually get the ball airborne. Um, Cindy, that's an area too. I think we get a lot of topped and bad shots from this because they're trying to scoop the ball up, especially, um, you know, when they're close around the greens, they're trying to lift up on the ball instead of hitting down on the ball. Uh, what's some good tips uh, that we can give the folks for that? Well, um, to make the ball go up, the club's got to go down. You need to be bowing yep. over to be able to swing the club back and forth and up and down. And so I tell people not to look at the ball because when you look at the ball, if you're an athlete, most times you're going to hit what you're looking at, which is the top of the ball. Mm -hmm. So I ask students to put the club two or three inches behind the ball and maybe put some grass extra grass or a piece of paper or some garbage behind the ball and your job is to swing the club back and get the garbage and I've had people say oh well you want me to hit the ball and I'm like you will hit the ball if you hit the garbage <laughs> your job is to hit the garbage and they they're astounded you know because everybody's telling them keep your eye on the ball you got to hit the ball and that's what they try to do is hit the ball and then the ball doesn't go and then they get frustrated. So I would tell you to brush grass before the ball and the ball will always go up. I couldn't agree more. Um, that's another interesting uh, tip as well. Um, a lot of times what I used to do and I found this always helped as well, because you're right, looking at the ball, uh, particularly most golfers look at the back of the ball, um, which again, uh, tends to create hitting fat. So, you know, something my father always taught me is he said, you know, when, especially when you're hitting with your irons, he said, look at the front of the ball. Um, because it, funny enough, it, it actually causes you to try to 
swing through to the front of the ball or sometimes even uh, a little bit ahead of the ball. And again, it helps uh, create that downward impact uh, position, which is what you want to be able to get the ball to go airborne. So don't scoop and try to lift the ball up. Let the club do the work. Uh, Number four on here is too much tension in hands and arms. Uh, One of the greatest ways to lose distance, Cindy, is to hold the golf club really, really tight. You know, we always hear about this, you know, imagine you're holding a baby bird in your hand. Um, I don't never really like that one. I think that's a little, it gives the impression of a little bit too soft. Um, But tension is another thing. Um, You want to mention something about that as well? Well, I want your fingers to pinch, but your thumbs to be dead because the club head has to be able to swing. I think mm-hmm. so many people are told, you know, keep your arms straight and, and don't use your wrists. And, and the only way to get club head speed is if you allow the club head to swing. And so you've got to let the club head move without coming out of your fingers. So I would say to you, yes, you know, you, I don't want you to hold it. A baby bird, that's too light. It's going to go flying out of your hands. Uh, I, fingers pinched, thumbs are dead. Swing it back and slap it through. You've got to let the club head move. Yeah, exactly. And, and also, too, if you've got too much tension, if you're gripping the club too tight and you've got too much tension, particularly in your forearms, you're not going to feel the weight of the club head, and you want to be able to feel that. You want to feel that um, weight so that when you're swinging it, um, you'll know where it is in the swing, and that's important. Um, number five is bad balance, which sort of works, uh, obviously, with posture. If you've got a good uh, posture set up in that, it's easier um, to uh, help towards uh, keeping balance. Um, if you're not able to hold your finish, and that doesn't mean you have to hold it for an hour, but if you're swinging through, you've hit the ball, and you're falling back on your, your – if, again, for right-handed golfers, if you're falling back on your right foot because you're not able to maintain – Uh, Your balance, that means you're not actually swinging through the ball. You're actually hitting at the ball, and you're kind of just toppling over. So having that good posture is also going to help you uh, maintain your balance. And a good test of that is, are you able to hold your finish for a few seconds after you've hit the ball? And if you can do that, that's usually a a good idea that you're able to um, get good balance in your swing. Um, The other thing, too, is always, you know, we always hear about – you know, where your weight should be on your feet um, in a normal setup. And they should be not on your toes, on uh, towards the, the front of your feet, on the balls of your feet, and not on the heels. Again, if you're sitting on that bar stool, they're going to feel like they're on your heels. That's not a good balance either. So you want them more to the balls of your feet, not on the toes, on the balls of your feet um, in order to maintain uh, a good posture and to maintain good balance. Um, another one is, uh, this is actually number seven. I'm going to skip one here. Uh, just for for sake of time, and that is coming over the top. Um, We hear this all the time, but what does it really mean? Uh, So much, um, you know, of uh, golf terminology isn't very, doesn't sound very logical, Uh, but over the top means that you're swinging from out to in, cutting across uh, to the inside, typically producing a pull or a slice. Um, This is another one, Cindy, a lot of people are swinging back, what are some of the causes of, of coming over the top, and, and what do you try to do to, to help uh, some of your students to not do that? Typically, their arms are too tight, and they pick the club up, and they don't swing it back. And when you don't swing it back, the only way to come down is to come from top to across it. They call it outside in. 
And so the ball will start, if you're right-handed, the ball will always start left of your target. So I try to get people to, you know, make sure that their posture's right, their grip's right, relax their arms, and swing it back as if your top of your left arm stays kind of close to your chest and you allow it to swing close to you to where halfway back you could shake hands with somebody if you were right-handed. So the face has to open up a little bit, and the arms have to be relaxed, and you got to allow it to swing back, you know, back in and out on the way down. So it's basically just being too tight and thinking you've got to keep that arm straight, which doesn't allow you to swing it. It allows you to pick it up and come over it. So relax your right, arms. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, what people don't realize is, and everybody's different, of course, but your body is able to actually swing naturally. Um, and again, as you mentioned with the, with the grip drill, you talked about ha- having your hands hang down beside your body. Your thumbs may point in a little bit or, or conversely may point out depending on how you're, you're built. So use your body as it was designed. Don't try to force things that your body is not able to do. And everybody can swing a golf club, but everybody is going to swing a little bit. It's going to be, or it's certainly going to seem a little bit different just because our bodies are different. Our body size, our body height, and so on and so forth is different. So once you're able to isolate that, and that's where your teach professional or your coach can come in uh, and help you with some of that, um, you're going to be, I mean, if you look at over, Cindy, if you look at over the history of the game, not so much in today's game because, you know, there's more of that modern swing where everybody kind of looks the same. But if you look back 20, 30 years ago from some of the greats of the game, both men and women, nobody's swing really looked the same. I mean, there were certain components that obviously had to be there, uh, you know, impact and so forth. But generally everybody had somewhat of a different swing because their bodies were different. So, you know, you, you have to take that into account and you have to be able to swing the club. You're not trying to hit the ball. You're trying to swing the club. The ball simply gets in the way of the club face, and that's essentially what it is. And if you can learn to swing the club, you know, I always found for me, and, uh, you know, in, in, in practice swings, my father used to joke with me and always said, you know, you have a great practice swing, but he said when you get in front of the ball, something seems to happen. It changes. And that's true, I think, for a lot of golfers, Cindy, is that for some reason the ball. So what I used to do is to, to get a better sense is I would, when I took my practice swings, obviously when I'm on the practice tee or on the range, I'm not doing this out in the, out in the golf course because I'm trying to be mindful of time, but is I would actually close my eyes so that I could actually feel how my body was moving, feel the different you know, areas of the swing and, and how they were all put together in that. And then when I would step over the ball, then I would imagine how that felt. I wouldn't care what it looked like. I wanted to know how it felt. And for me, that works. So feel can be an important factor as well, is how it feels. And it's going to feel differently in many cases for most golfers. So don't try to, you know, don't worry about what somebody else is doing. Uh, Just try to feel your swing. Um, Another one is uh, finding the correct ball position, Cindy. This is another one too. Um, You know, there's a couple of different camps on this one. There's some that teach uh, keeping the ball in the same position and, um, you know, for every club with the exception of the driver, uh, others, you know, talk about having it up a little more forward towards the left heel for your driver and then slowly inching it back to about the center of your stance uh, for your shorter clubs like wedge and so forth and that. Um, I think it really depends 
again, on your body type, what are your thoughts here with ball position? What do you typically try to get your students to, uh, to uh, understand? I tell them when they bow over and puke after they grip it with their left hand that <laughs> the, wherever the club falls is where their feet should be. And what will happen is if you do that, your ball position will be perfect um, right at the bottom of the triangle that your shoulders and your arms make. So I mm-hmm. tell people, make sure, you know, that you allow your arms to hang. And once you bow over, it's going to be right at the bottom of the arc. And it's going to be perfect. So yeah, it's, and, and it's that's, going to that's be great... up a little bit with the, yeah, it's going to be up a little bit with the driver and it's going to be back a little bit with the, uh, with the irons, but it's not, you know, way back on your right foot and, you know, it's right. It's really somewhere around the front foot almost all of the time. Right. And something else to, to keep in mind um, that a lot of people don't understand is if you typically have your feet, let's say we're talking about your irons here, uh, about the width of your shoulders and you have that ball position if you then widen your feet, but you keep the ball in the same position, it's, it, it is actually going to change. It's going to appear like it changes. So you've got to be mindful of that. You know, a lot of times we'll see uh, people that will put their uh, ball when they're hitting their driver, as an example. They've got it up by their left heel, but they've widened their stance. The ball position is actually not going to be technically right off the left heel for right-handed golfers, it's actually going to be inside a little bit further because you've now widened your stance. So if you're trying to get more distance and you're widening your stance, you don't want to put the ball right off the left heel because the problem is it'll actually open up your shoulders. So you've got to adjust for that. So if you're keeping it the same distance, if your feet are the same distance apart, that's one thing. But if you start widening them um, to hit the ball a little bit further, let's say with your driver, you've got to be mindful of that. And that's why if you look at, um, Cindy, and I know you know this, if you look at some of the tour players that take a really wide stance, the ball might actually be technically a couple of inches inside their left heel because what they've done is they've widened it, so they've had to move the ball position. Otherwise, they're going to be reaching for the ball. So you've got to be really careful. So I always recommend that you kind of keep it the same width, whether it be for your irons and or your driver might be slightly wider, but you keep the same width um, day in, day out because when you start playing with that, it can kind of throw things off a little bit. So this is why it's important to uh, connect with a great uh, teaching pro or coach uh, to help you go through that. Um, so these are just some tips. Uh, there was 10 of them or a couple I didn't do um, just to, you know, stay on track for time. But I think that, you know, a, a lot of amateurs, some of the things that we just talked about, Cindy, a lot of amateurs have problems with this. And this is why it's so important that you need that expert set of eyes to come out there and help guide you through some of these different things that we talked about. So, um, yeah, I, I think we uh, I think we hit it out of the park. So um, we want to thank once again uh, Anna Redding uh, from the Smetra Tour for joining us on the show. Uh, best of luck again, Anna, in your uh, your uh, career, and we hope to see you back real soon. And we want to thank everybody for tuning in this morning to the Women of Golf. On behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odorico. Thanks, everybody, and have a great week. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms. 
iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.